This is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton Our Way. Straight, Straight from, from the street, street end. end. Hello everyone, and welcome to Not Bitter, Just Better, Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here. And uh, I've been trying to get hold of Mark Mack. I've been ringing him for hours and hours and hours on end. And I just can't get hold of him. And then suddenly, out of the blue, someone on our Twitter sends me this. Oi, oi, Savaloi! Mark Mack here for the Tottenham Till I Die podcast. Well, that's been a good transfer window. We got to soak, go, we got to soak. And, oh, hang on, my phone's ringing. Who's this? Johnny Seven, I wish you'd stop ringing me. Just get the message, lad. And who's missed calls from Ronald... I'm not ringing Ronald Koeman, I'm a bit scared of him. Uh, Anyway, let's get on with the Tottenham podcast. So blues, yeah, yeah, make it that one, you will. Um, oh, oh, here we, here we go, Mark. You Mark. didn't really think I was going to go down to that big smoke, did you? Uh, I, well, I, I thought there for a second, you know, as convincing as that little bit was. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was our little reenactment of transfer deadline day. There, if if you didn't laugh at it, you'd have to cry, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah, there goes half of our listenership, so we're down to one now. Well, we might get some Spurs fans on board. <laughs> if we could put in the metadata, Spurs podcast, then we might do. Yeah, you never know. But yeah, um, I'm still watching this space. Yeah, or nothing would be the same. Well, it kind of will be really, won't it? It kind of is. It wasn't the transfer deadline day that we were all predicting really, was it? Uh, but a bit more on that later. We have got a game to talk about. Uh, Stoke last week. Uh, and then we'll get onto the transfer palaver. Yeah. So as as always with when it's like transfer deadline week, it seems like the game was an age ago. It was like what five days, six days ago. Yeah. You were telling me before that you couldn't remember anything about it, and then we both suddenly dawned on us that we got a penalty in the game. <laughs> yeah, we got a penalty. Yeah. Um, the team news: Blassie came in, Williams came in for Big Foo, and Lukaku came in up top. So that was a, a few changes off the bat. Uh, McCarthy made way. Um, Colgate kept his place. So we went with a 4-4-2 formation rather than, well, 4-5-1. Yeah, we possibly. did. And I think on the day, the first thing I noticed what the team sheet was, with McCarthy not really be even featuring on the bench, I thought maybe his days were numbered and he was going to be a out on transfer deadline day. Um However, as we'll find out later, that wasn't the case. Um, and as you say, it was more of a four-four-two with uh, with young Mason Holgate playing at right back. Cumin uh, did come out in the pre-match presser and say that McCarthy was a doubt. Um, so I think a few people thought he was a doubt because he's talking to West Brom and Crystal Palace and Celtic. You mean? Yeah. Um, so I mean, the side looked quite strong on paper. You know, we, we had Morales still in there, who's. Uh, Started the season off really well. Barkley's got a few goals. Uh, he's in there as well. Blassie. So it's quite attacking-minded. And then you've got Garner and um, Barry as the two holding midfielders. So, good line-up. Stecker's still in goal. Uh, and again, as it, will, it looks like he will be now for the, the rest of the season, or at least until Spoiler. January. Spoiler. Well, these things are going to cross over today. Um, but yeah, I mean... You know, it was a good, solid performance from the Blues, I thought, really, on Saturday. Um, you look through that Stoke team, uh, they were pretty much full strength. Bojan dropped down to the bench. 
Uh, well, Peter Crouch made a, a, an appearance, a rare starting appearance for Stoke. I Probably think he scored a hat trick in the, the League Cup in the, the week, a couple of days before, so obviously in the start role. Uh, I don't think he'll have many more this season. Well, I thought that he was dealt with very well, by, particularly by Mason Holgate, who seemed to be taking over him on, on corners and stuff, which is a big responsibility on the shoulders of you know such a young lad. Uh, and again, I thought Holgate. You know, did his job perfectly. I think out of most players in the league who, uh, who who will be hit hardest by these new rules of holding and I mean, I, I suppose it's not new rules, is it? It's just reinforcing the old rules better. This holding people's arm, pulling shirts, and all that kind of stuff. Peter Crouch, who's six foot seven, always feels the need to hold people and you know lean on them and stuff like that. Why doesn't he just stand there, head and shoulders above everyone else? And win the headers rather than all this like shape pulling stuff. Does he need to jump? Does he just no. have the ball half the time? Off his head? Half the time, no, he doesn't. And it's um, and you, you can see if he if he was in an Everton shirt, I would be beyond frustrated because every time the ball went near him, he was either beaten or it was a free kick. He was, yeah. Um, I thought you know, particularly in the first half, I thought the Blues played well. I thought we we bossed the game. Um, you know. It wasn't a classic by by any means, but uh, we had the lion's share of possession. Uh, I didn't really feel particularly threatened by Stoke at any point. Um, and then, you know, it was just a case of we just couldn't put the ball in and that, could we? No, we had a few decent chances, a few decent ranges, uh, like long-range efforts. And um, it, we seem to mix it up a lot more now rather than trying to pass it in all the time. Uh, there seems to be... There seems to be a plan B and a plan C when it comes to the play. Sometimes we'll go direct, and this is something Koeman said. You know, sometimes it, it does need to be played long. Sometimes you need to just get rid, and that can lead to things. Whereas Roberto wouldn't in a million years have that. So, while while we mentioned Roberto, he it was his first game in charge of Belgium last night, and after forty five minutes, he got booed. <laughs> He's used to it, isn't he? <laughs> But, uh, maybe there was like half the Gladys Street <laughs> watching Belgium. No, it was just Kevin Morales. <laughs> yeah, he was getting booed by the Morales family. By Ron and Morales. Um, there's no problem apparently between him and Morales, he's come out and said anyway. So. Well, of course he'd say that. Uh, anyway, getting back to the Stoke game, so we'll, we'll gloss over this quite quickly. They'll know the half time. Uh, the Blues come out. Stoke, would you say Stoke got into the game a little bit more second half? They, they did, yeah, they, and they had a few. They had a little bit of play, but I, I think we pretty much dominated the game. You know, they had a couple of chances, a couple of efforts where we we had a couple cleared off the line. Um, Lukaku was sort of doing. He was putting in a bit of effort, wasn't he? Particularly in the first sort of hour or so, but it just wasn't coming off for him. You could see he was getting frustrated. He was, and Barkley was a lot more putting themselves out uh, about a lot more than usual, which is a. Uh, which is, it's good to see. We just need that to translate into better performances as well, and goals. Uh, and eventually the Blues took the lead over another penalty in the Premier League this season. Yeah, it was a similar, similar kind of tangling as the ones we talked about against City, where uh, it was still uh, in the City game. But, I don't know, what was it? A trip in the box where the ball came over from a corner, was it? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't like, you know... A, a massive sort of thing where we were all up screaming, shouting for a penalty, um, but it got blew up. It's a penalty, 
uh, and something I was really pleased to see was there was no messing about about who's going to take it. You know, you had Morales there, you had Lukaku there, uh, but now it was, it was Leighton Baines. The ball went back to Leighton Baines. Obviously, I think Koeman's got a bit of faith in defenders believing the ball into the back of the net because he yeah. used to do it a few times yeah. himself. Um, so, uh, Leighton Baines is back on pens for the Blues and uh, although it wasn't the most convincing of penalties, although you think it was a decent penalty, don't you? I thought he put it Decent effort, like quite snug into the corner, tipped onto the post, um, and obviously bounced back out, and it goes down as a Shea given own goal, and a rare Leighton Baines missed penalty. Do you not think it was a bit lucky that Shea given it his five foot four and only managed to get his fingertips on the end of it? If that had been a bigger keeper, I think it would have been a save. Yeah, I suppose if you look at it that way, yeah. Uh, but as yeah, as, as Johnny said, uh, a bit fortuitous. Uh, it's hit the post, it's hit Che Gibbon on the back and it's rolled into the net but the Gladys Street and the rest of Goodison didn't care uh, and we were all celebrating that and that's pretty much how the game stayed wasn't it, there was a few changes here and there but again there was no real outstanding chances I can think of What about outstanding performances then? Um, for me again it, Mason Holgate was our best player I, I, thought, keep, I, I sound like a broken record over the he's last definitely been games. a star him, him and, him and um, Adjusta Gay have been our stars so far this season with I, I suppose maybe Gareth Barry and uh, Steckers like closely following them yeah I'd, I'd agree with that same four players I would you know I was oh Morales as well Morales maybe a little bit lower yeah I was impressed with Rom's work rate at times but he you know he did tire towards the end of the game I've heard quite a few people say they were really impressed with Balassi on his home debut I didn't really see anything from him that really excited me you know I'm not I'm not writing the kid off but I just think it probably wasn't the best performance we'll ever see from no I I think I don't think it was a good performance at all but then he played he played well in that cameo in the West Brom game so we've had you know both sides of him so far but he didn't run at anyone his crosses weren't particularly he's going to need time to settle isn't he no but that's the frustrating thing because he came on against West Brom straight away and then created a number of good chances good good crosses and made some good choices when it came to passing rather than shooting and on um, last Saturday he, he just seemed to not make the right choices a lot and not put a decent ball in but you know early days and I do you think he's, he's definitely got the ability he? yeah do you think he's now in danger though of already being dropped for all these attacking players that we bought in the transfer <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, but a positive, the big major positive from the game is another three points on the board. Four games in this season, if you include the League Cup game, and we're unbeaten. We're fourth in the league. I know it's very early days after three games, but uh, you look. When was the last time we beat Stoke? I can't remember. It's been a while, hasn't it? Last year was a four-three, and the season before it was when Bojan got that uh, penalty. We threw one away last season, didn't we? So. The improvements there already in the results. All right, it might not be sort of classic performances yet, but we're winning games. Uh, but and, we, we cleared, we cleared some off the line again. I go back to the, you know, the. It looks like our players have got the, the desperation and the desire back to throw themselves in front of the ball um, and you know put those last ditch, last gasp efforts to get the ball out and away. Um, they look like they want to, you know, bleed for the club again, and that's something which. Maybe maybe whoever would have came in after Roberto would have got that got that back. But I think having Cumin in there, having no nonsense, I think that's helping. 
Okay, we, we've spoke about Balassi quickly there. Um, Ashley Williams, what did you think of his? I, I, th- I thought he was quite s- quite solid, and then he, he's all right on the ball, but some of his passing was a little bit off. But again, it is settling. I, I think thought he grew into the game. I yeah. thought he, he got better towards the end of the game. S- some of it, some of the time, he, you know, he did like tried a couple of Jaggy Elka type passes, but then even like quite short type passes, and he put it straight into touch. Well, but they were Jaggy Elka type passes. Then yeah. they went straight out into touch. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've got full confidence in him. I think he's going to be a star for us. Um, I think he's going to be our best signing out of this window. Um, right. We will, we shall wait and see if your if one of your rare predictions comes true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, People say people said that um, I think the BBC gave Ross Barkley man of the match. Do you agree? No, no. I'm not going to criticise. Not going to criticise Ross Barkley. I would not have put him in our top five or six players. Yeah, but he probably looked good again on the highlights on match of the day in the 30 seconds that we got on match of the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's all people see, and you know that, that's if that's what you're going to base 50 million value valuation on. Then I think you know the, the proofs in the pudding when you, you got the England manager watching, and on that performance uh, hasn't selected him. So was he watching now, or was he in chips and gravy? He was probably having, down the back of the stand. He was probably having a fat pie barn with gravy. <laughs> with gravy all over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, nice win, unbeaten, and uh, takes us into the international break on a bit of a high. It does, but. We say this every year. What a waste of a time having an international break now. Because it just, just takes all the momentum out of the season. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I could do with it. It's big... coming at a bad time for us because we're, we're, we're doing okay. We're getting results. And you look at our next couple of games, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, they're winnable. So you would have liked to keep that momentum going. Well, this would have been the ideal opportunity to um, bed some new players in, wouldn't it? But uh, <laughs> as we're going to discuss in a minute... When we put our news on, uh, that wasn't the case. Any more thoughts on Stoke? Or should we move on to the news? Let's get to the news. Put on the tune. News! Before we go into the real news of the week, which I suppose is the transfer window closing, uh, we're just going to have a little bit of a talk about the, the squad and a couple of inclusions in the international squads which I'm not really that up to date on which I should be really well uh, you, I believe you're in the know aren't you Mark? well I'm not really in the know because as it's been well documented our love or no love of international football so uh, but the big story that came out of Allardyce's first squad was obviously the omission of, of Ross Barkley which is surprising really because you know okay he didn't get any playing time in the Euros. However, he was selected for the squad. And once an international tournament comes and goes, that's when usually you start to then bring your, your next generation of players to, which you would have thought Ross Barkley would have been at the fore of. Um, and he hasn't even made the squad, which is slightly bizarre. And when you look at it on paper, I suppose he's pretty much in good form at the minute as well, isn't he? You know, he's scoring goals, he's getting assists. You look at the numbers from last season, uh, although we were very critical of his performances sometimes, uh, and you wonder what the reason behind them not being selected is. Do you think it's like a kick up the pants for him? I don't. I, I don't know really. I think. I think it's just another one of those things where 
he's just not at the right club. I think you look at other players who've been included who may, maybe aren't necessarily in the best of form, like Henderson and um, Deli Ali. There's talk that Henderson is going to be named as the new captain. Basically. I mean, that is just that is. You know, he's already cost me one season of FIFA by being on, on the cover of it. So, <laughs> I, he's gonna. If, if that's the case, I am. I, I am officially done with international rolling. You're all right with FIFA 17, Marco Royce. Yeah, I can, I can handle that. Yeah, unless he signs for them, because aren't they buying him every single year, Marco Royce? Well, when he finally, do you know what? A player like that, if playing for them, I can handle him being on the cover. Because he's a, you know, he's a, he's an internationally well-known player. He's not some nomad from the northeast. Who I don't know, you know. Anyway, you know enough about Jordan Henderson. Henderson. Uh, Henderson. However, you know, Barkley has not made the squad. That's. I think that's people's main gripe, though. It's like you're judging him on this form that he's or, or he's not. He's in or he's not in. Or uh, but then you're including these other players who are in. Similar bouts of you know non product productivity, but I mean, if, that, if that's what he's saying, he's not playing well enough. But he's you know he's got two goals and a couple of assists this season so far. Again, we do we do criticise him, although I'm stopping, um, saying. But he, he, the the end product seems to be there anyway. Do you think he's in danger of becoming a Matt Letizia type character? You know. Well known for being an entertaining player, well known for scoring goals. If he could be uh, half, but never really makes it on the international scene. No, if he could be half, what matters he was. I've been made up with the way he is at the moment, but he's got the potential to push on and be another, you know, all right, a little bit deeper, another Rooney. And um, some people might say he's got the same size ass as Matt Letizia. Now, not not <laughs> playing. Yeah. I'm only messing, Ross. Don't come around and batter me. Um, yeah, so I, I found that a strange one, really. And I think in the full England squad, we've only got Jack Elker at the moment. But, right, you, you say it's a strange one, right? But it, it's only a relatively strange one, isn't it? Because if you look at it, like, do his performances warrant an international call-up? I think the only reason people are confused about it is other, as I say, the other players in there. You, you, you're, not, you're not always picked on form, you're picked on name. Like, you know, the amount of players you've lived in, in the England squad... And I've had a good season for like five, six seasons. You know, it's happened happened for so long. And you thought maybe with a no nonsense English manager now, that might fall by the wayside. But I don't know. Seems Reverted to type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was more surprised that uh, Kevin Nolan and Kevin Davis didn't get called <laughs> up. Yeah. In all honesty, and JJ Acacia to <laughs> change his nationality and to start playing for England. But. Uh, on so on the other side of the coin, uh, a first England under twenty one call up uh, for a young man by the name Mason Holgate, well deserved. Yeah, nice little picture on uh, on his Instagram the other day of him and Brendan Galloway, of course, who's gone to West Brom on loan. You know, I think they must have uh, roomed together while they're away. So them two, what him and his, uh, I think he had his Everton tracking on, and he had. His, oh no, they were playing. They were playing FIFA. One was playing West Brom, and I'm taking a, taking Holgate was. Representing the Blues, so who, who, who comes on, out on top there? Well, playing FIFA. Well, I've never played FIFA against either of them, so I haven't got a clue. It's got to be the Blues every time, though, hasn't it? Surely. Well, you would have thought so, but you never know. Galloway could be a bit of a demon, couldn't he? And you know, 
Have you know when you win one, you play one of your mates, and you're well better than them. So you go like a first division side and let them go Barcelona to try and even it up. And you still have them off. Yeah, <laughs> that's what usually happens to me because I'm terrible at FIFA. Um, but yeah, you know he's already pushing it. You know above his age range really, isn't he? Mason Holgate and sort of uh, getting into squads that probably he shouldn't have a right to be getting into. I know it's only on the twenty ones, but. If he continues the way he started the season, I don't think it'll be very long before he's pushing for the seniors. Well, you know, look at the competition he's got. I mean, is it, is it just Carl Walker these days? Is uh, Nathaniel Klein, obviously. Well, I mean, let's have a look at the competition he's got. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Johnny Stones can play right back. Yeah, well... The old Mason Holgate, Johnny Stones. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good news for Mason Holgate. Um, and... And that was pretty much it of any note from the in, from the, the inclusion of the international squads this week. Um, the, I mean the usuals, the usual. I mean, they're not really that important to us, are they? <laughs> well, you know, you've got Rom and Kev going off with Belgium, and and Roberto's New Dawn. You've got Fudes Mori with Argentina. You know, all the regulars are still. Is going that what we're doing under twenty Spain under twenty ones? How old is he now? Well, I'm thinking he must be. He must be pushing. Like thirty now, wasn't he? The answer is I don't know if he's he, in the he, squad was, he, he, he is away on international duty, but uh, then he I'm will sure be there because he's much. certainly not getting in the full Spain squad. <laughs> you might push on. Yeah, let's wait and see. Um, so yeah, then that was they were announced sort of early in the week, and that led us up nicely to um, Happy Sky Day on Wednesday, Jim White Day, Yellow Tie Day. Do you ever wear yellow ties on transfer deadline days? Yeah, no. Can't be so, yeah. Never got That's a rule in Sky. Everything turns yellow, doesn't it? The little the ticker bars, oh, yeah, the yeah. breaking news, everything goes yellow. Don't know why. Uh, Don't know what yellow's got to do with a deadline. I was in work and I was trying to follow him via Twitter, really. I say follow him. Were you excited going into it? Did you, what, what, in your head, Tuesday night before you went to bed, what did you expect to happen on... on being well, an Evertonian and knowing what, what's gone on in years before, but then the other side of the coin being Mashiri, you know, us trying to push on, having a decent start to the season. What did you expect? Well, I don't know what the ex- I don't know what my actual expectation was because I, I know we were sniffing around a few players, but none of them really excited me that much. You know, the players we talked about last week who were like out of our. You know, well out of our depth. Um, you know, like uh, Rodriguez and players like that. You know, if we'd have been a little bit more closely linked, Leandro Rodriguez. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would have been like, I wouldn't have been able to sleep on the Tuesday night if we'd were linked with someone like that. But the players that we were linked with, I wasn't overly excited with. I was thinking maybe you know if we would have chased up Boney a little bit more, that would have got me excited. But I had no real expectation. I just thought we'd have brought some players in. And I thought we'd have spent some dough. That was that was all my expectation was, and then you know I thought that would have improved the squad. Yeah. I, I didn't expect much. Yeah, I expected. I thought we'd bring in two or three players, uh, and I thought we'd see maybe one or two go out the other way. Well, uh, I mean that's quite accurate thinking. It's just the level. Of those players, I don't think you anticipated, did you? No, no. I was very surprised. Um, and basically, the, 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 the transfer day for the Blues started with... Uh, uh, this is one of the names in our squad I really struggle with pronouncing. Tarashai. 
Tarashai. Is that how you... Is I that think like, so. Tarashai. I, I like that. It sounds better than Tarashaz, which I was going to say, but... Tarashai. It ends in a J, doesn't it? It does. So, Tarashaj. Has gone out on loan to Eintracht Frankfurt. I can't say anything now after I've struggled with that name. He's going to be yeah. uh, well up on the sausages, isn't he? Why? Frankfurt. Frankfurters. Okay. Are you, is that some sort of like, he now likes the sausage? No. I'm, I'm just putting it out there. We've got a bit quiet, sorry. Who's <laughs> uh, so McFadden? Would they like that out in? Thanks, Frank Firth. He, so he's gone over for a season-long loan. He featured a little bit pre-season, didn't he? And you know, I thought he did all right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of people talking about maybe him pushing in for the, the being on the bench or the being around the first team and maybe even getting games. But I suppose the players that we've got in, like like Kone and you know the, the others, <laughs> they. He's competing for a place with them, so maybe if he gets a, a, a lot of games at Frankfurt, he's still young, isn't he? There's still time for him to push on. Uh, it always worries me that we get these players in, and you know, we, we, last season we brought him in and then sent him straight out on loan, or we paid for him and then let him stay there, or whatever the deal was. And then you know, we got him this season, and he's right out back on loan again. You just wonder, you know, you mentioned last week about sp- clubs stockpiling. Stockpiling players Are we doing that to an extent as well? I don't think we are But then you look at the other deal That we got through uh, Sort of You know During the day Which I think it happened Sort of early evening uh, We we did bring in another young striker I think we paid A million pound up front Right to a million and a half uh, For Dominic um, Calvert-Lewin From Sheffield United um, Young lad I think he's is he 18, 19? 19, and apparently he grew up two uh, two blocks away from um, Jamie Vardy, whatever that means. Jamie Vardy being such a chav, do you think he probably used to like bully him uh, for like money for weed and stuff? Yeah, possibly, possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, he probably might have got banged by him a few times. Chatted chat, chat and got banged, yeah, yeah possibly. Um yeah, so another young player, which obviously will go into the developmental squad initially, uh, and will hopefully that can be another sort of Mason Holgate-type character. Brendan Galloway, we brought him before from the lower leagues and, and managed to bring through. So um, we wait and see on that one. But again, that wasn't something that really got us. No, that was one of those. Excited. That was one of those token ones who kind of come in flying under the radar. We little did we know that it would be our biggest spend on the day. Was he? No. Did we not pay a fee for Ben Valencia? Like a loan fee? I hope, I hope not. <laughs> right, okay. Um, the two main stories early on in the day uh, were two attacking players, and the first one was uh, Yassine Brahimi, uh, which is uh, you know an Algerian winger, uh, and the other one, which we were heavily linked to, uh, I have completely forgot. Gavazzini? It was Manolo Gavazzini, thanks. I've got that many names floating around in my head at the minute. Um, let's talk about Brahimi first. This is my understanding of what went on, okay? We put out there on our page that he was having a medical. This wasn't reported on Sky, and loads of people did the usual come on and says, You're talking rubbish, it's not on Sky, you don't know what you're on about. Um, from someone within the club, 
I was told that um, a fee had been agreed with Brahimi. Personal terms had been agreed. He was all set to come. He was out on some sort of international training camp in, in Northern Africa. Uh, rather than fly all the way back to England uh, to have a medical at Finch Farm and then have to fly all the way back to Algeria or wherever he was, uh, a medical was arranged in Italy, in Bologna, southern Italy. Uh, it's only an hour away from his training camp. The same medical facility where Islam Slamani got his medical done for Leicester a bit later on in the day. Uh, medical was completed, was done. Uh, and at this point, just as everything was about to be signed, sealed and delivered, uh, Sport Lisbon decided to hike up the price uh, and basically reveal that there was some sort of slightly dodgy third party ownership going on. Uh, and basically they wanted an extra 10 million taking the fee up to somewhere around 40 million uh, and that's why Everton pulled the plug on the deal yeah I mean the, the story that was out there was they just blocked the deal in the end and you know but he yeah, was well, they, spat his dummy they blocked the deal because they wanted 10 million extra well, listen I'm sure at some point this will probably all come out but this is what I've been told from you know somebody I trust so yeah okay uh, so that one fell by the wayside uh, we just I mean news out there we just ended our interest in Gavardini was that because they couldn't Napoli couldn't get a replacement striker you said before? apparently so uh, I've not spoke to anyone from the club about this but that's what you know outlet to report and that basically Napoli were willing to sell him if they could get a replacement in uh, they didn't get a replacement in to me he was he was a gamble really uh, Brahimi looks a good player although you know He's not particularly been, uh, you know, in form recently, but I think that's because he's become unhappy at his club that he's at now. Gabbiadini, mm, I, I wasn't sold on him really. I think it would have been a lot of money for a possible gamble. So, a few other players we were linked with. Obviously, we talked last week, last week a lot about Joe Hart, and the week before, he ended up going to Torino on loan. Yeah. Uh, Do you think we were going to try and get? Joe Hart on the last day and that's what, or do you think we were always going to stick with Steffers well we did a U-turn on Sissoko apparently so I mean if he hadn't gone perhaps we might have done but you know it, it, it's benef- more beneficial for um, City I suppose to not have him in the league innit? So yeah I think that's, that's City I think have basically funded half his wages if he went abroad and out of the league so two other players we were kind of linked with Boney and Indy Martins both end up at Stoke Bony on loan, good deal. Aren't well, both both deals are oh, season both long. Yeah, both deals are season long loan. Obviously, Indy Martins from Porto, uh, a player that we've been linked with a couple of times. You, I remember him being linked with us heavily a couple of seasons ago after he had that decent World Cup uh, for the Dutch. Uh, always looked a decent player to me. Um, I think Stoke have got good business there, getting two players of that caliber on a free. I've heard a few people slagging Boney off. I, you know, I, I think I just, as we said last week, I just think of Boney in his days at Swansea, he was terrorising defences. People just slag everyone off, let's face it. Yeah. Um, you can't criticise him for not really playing well at City when he's not playing. How do you know he's not playing well if he's not getting games? Just because he doesn't come on and score a hat-trick in the last five minutes of a game when he gets brought on. This um, is always the tricky situation with players like that, though. And the, peop- the players who are on the fringes... Our clubs We've talked about it before. Gareth Barry on the fringes of City comes to Everton and stands out. You know all these players who are on the fringes. The only reason they're on the fringes is because they've got what like the top 
you know, the, the top strikers in, in, in the world ahead of them or top players in the world, like maybe in the top five yeah, in, the, in mean, their position in the world. I look at it this way though, I'm glad that we played Stoke before they had Boney up front. Definitely, yeah. Because I'd much rather play them with Peter Crouch up front than, than Boney. So I think he'll probably do quite well there. Uh, and I think uh, Martin's India will do quite well and they'll be a better side for it. Um, so. Yeah, they were two other players, and also Cuco Martina. I think I called the Martinez last week, getting me uh, thinking of someone else connected to our club. Um, but that deal never materialised either. I don't know if it was even a you know a, a real interest or, or if any approaches made. I don't know is the answer. Um, so it got to about six, seven o'clock at night, and it was looking like a really grim day for the Blues. And then suddenly. Uh, We'd agreed a £30 million deal with Newcastle to buy Musa Sissoko. I thought you were going to say when it started looking up was when um, McGeady was uh, confirmed to have gone out on loan to Preston. Well, that was a slight glimmer of light in the day. However, um, yeah, all of a sudden, um, Sissoko's rumoured deal to Spurs earlier in the day, Spurs didn't want to pay £30 million for him. Um, and Everton agreed a fee of thirty million. But we'd we'd already we'd already said that we weren't interested earlier on in the day as well, because well, because our focus was elsewhere. Then obviously those deals fell through. Do you think did we just want a marquee signing up for the day? No, I think what well, I think I think Newcastle were banking on. I think Spurs had started a bit earlier in the day at about sixteen million, hadn't they? I think Newcastle were banking on the fact that Everton and Spurs would get in some sort of bit of more. So we'd said we're not really interested to try. Oh, hold on, hold on. Everton and Spurs going for the same player. Surely not. Well, yeah. Um, so I think we'd sort of tried to play down our interest. Uh, and then eventually, as it got sort of a bit late in the day, Spurs bought a couple of players, uh, including sort of a winger uh, from Marseille. So then we then... Stumped up to 30 million, which I think was five installments of six million. Um, and apparently, we had agreed personal terms, everything was done. We had a private plane sat on a runway, uh, hired and waiting to bring him for his medical. Um, and then Ronnie Kay started giving old Moose a couple of tinkles. Uh, to find out where he was and what time he was getting to the plane. This uh, sounds familiar. And he basically got buttoned. Uh, there was no answer. Uh, it kept going to his answer machine. Uh, and all of a sudden, very embarrassingly to Everton, at about half ten at night, uh, it suddenly got announced that he'd basically blanked us, uh, got off down to London and signed for space. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it, it was embarrassing, uh, but I think the whole the whole deal's embarrassing. You know, I don't think Spurs look very good in it as well. The, the player himself looks like a mercenary, looks like a bit of a knobhead, and um, you know all this all these quotes have come out of how much he loves Arsenal and all um, <laughs> yeah. pictures in Arsenal kits and stuff like that, and then he's holding the Spurs. Shirt. He is going to have to make a. Great start to his Spurs career for that to be forgotten. I mean, suppose about, I think. Harry Kane. Harry Kane's was pitching in an Arsenal, you know, Arsenal kit growing up and stuff like that. But young players, it's but that's different, isn't it? isn't it? That's like Carragher was in an Everton kit, Gerrard was in an Everton kit, and they've then come up through Liverpool's ranks, haven't they? And you know, joined the Antichrist. However, 
with something like this, he is going to have to make a very impressive start for that to be forgotten about, I would have thought. Well, I mean, uh, is I he think gonna, Arsenal is he fans go? are probably going to rip him. Everton fans are going to rip him. If they get Newcastle in the Cup, they're going to rip him. A lot of Newcastle fans were saying things like, I will gladly drive him to any other ground. He's got no heart, he's got no character. Um, I saw what was the, 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 the tweet that was going around. Uh, he's gone missing for the last three hours on his phone well, and the Newcastle fan tweeted well he's gone missing for the last, two, last season for us anyway so it's uh, and you know you, you just don't want players like that anyway but what, what I saw he did look a player in the Euros though yeah. and we've said this at the match before he is an absolute beast physical specimen isn't he uh, we, we laughed last year about the way Oviedo looked terrified against them because yeah. it was like a boy Martin a man he is I think there is a player in him. Where would he have fit in? Would he have come in and displaced uh, a Barry straight away? No, I don't know. I think he's more of a... I don't think he would have sat in one of those two holes. I don't think he would have sat in the middle of the park. He's an attacking player. So he's more... Well, would, would he have just lodged Barkley? Perhaps. Barkley, Morales, those sorts of positions. Maybe some sort of change I thought of he was formation. More, I thought he was more up and down defensive, box-to-box kind of ball winning rather than... I don't know if he's got the discipline to sit in the middle of the park, really, but yeah. We, but hey, who knows? Let's not talk so, about it because he chose not to sign for the greatest club in the world, so it's his loss. He goes to um, the place where midfielders go to, go to die, uh, Tottenham, joining their rank of seven hundred and sixty-two first-team midfielders. They have got positions. Bent eleven, Ryan Mason. Though, okay, so seven hundred and sixty. He'll probably take over as the sixth-choice centre midfielder there. Uh, yeah, so there's a few other things that have come out, of the, out from the story saying uh, Mashiri's come out and said about when he uh, took over Everton, he um, he was taking over what he thought to be a family club, and then the choice was between uh, signing this player who didn't seem like he was that much into it, or keeping hold of a player who did have those values in James McCarthy, and we chose James McCarthy in the end. So uh, that rings of absolute bullshit to me. It does. I must bit. admit, you know, I don't want to. I don't know, and I don't really want to slag Mashiri off. However, that stinks to me of just. It doesn't make any sense. On the day. It doesn't make any sense anyway. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a bit revisionist, isn't it? So it's yeah. Uh, I mean, apparently McCarthy was in talks with a couple of clubs and going out on loan, perhaps to get first team football, like so West Brom, Sunderland. Um, Sky made me laugh because Sky kept reporting how James McCarthy was going to uh, link up with a manager that he played under at Everton. Oh yeah, David Moyes. Moyes. Yeah, no, no, no he didn't. He didn't. <laughs> um, so, but no, yeah, that's it. The squad pretty much stays the same. Oh, what about Jim? Jim White throughout the day was mentioning this this text he got off Machiri saying that you know watch this again, watch this space and stuff, wasn't it? Well, they obviously thought he were getting Brahimi and you know. And possibly but other make, players, that, and it just that didn't come off daft. on the day. It just didn't come off on the day. I know it does make us look daft. If I had any advice after this transfer window, it would be somebody hide for had Mercedes phone and stop him texting people. Yeah, that would be my main advice. Um, so it looked as if we weren't getting anybody to come into the basically into the first team squad. Uh, until right at the dying seconds of the day, probably sort of I don't know five to eleven or something. Um, we signed a striker, a Premier League striker, an international Premier League striker, an international Premier League striker. Um, 
Enna Valencia. It was not who I expected. No, and it's 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 been met with a lot of criticism because it's where does he in in the scheme of things where does he fit in? Is he better than Kone? Is he better than Nias? I think the thoughts are. I think he's better than Nias. I don't think they just the, the thoughts of where he fits in at the moment. I think people obviously you've got Roma's main choice, and then you've got Kone who's like going to be on the bench, and then you've got Valencia possibly, and then you've got Nias who. Uh, we should have mentioned before has has now been given a squad number and he's been uh, <laughs> he's been uh, very much backtracked by giving him a squad number. Yeah, um, but I suppose you've got to make do with what you got. When I it, think Valencia will now be on the bench ahead of Kone. Do you think if both you know well, maybe both of them on the bench? However, I think yeah. I don't think Valencia is as bad a player as some. No, it's just is. it's just the underwhelming. I mean, he's a victim of the, the, the this this underwhelming uh, transfer window for us. We thought we were going to spend a hundred million. Instead, we get a, a fourth choice West Ham reject on loan, and it's like, you know, that that that's the reality of it, isn't it? We 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 we, you know, we've got fans thinking we're going to go out and sign Messi because you know with that some of them are that delusional for a hundred million, and then we end up with Valencia. Yeah, so that's you know the underwhelming is the word. Yeah. However, you know how many other underwhelming signs have we had that have turned out to be you know really good? Yeah, I mean two seasons ago when uh, when he was in it was in the World, World Cup, wasn't it? And he, he had a decent show, and I think we we were lightly linked with him at the time, and he ended up going to West Ham. Uh, I bet you nobody was dancing down the streets the day we signed Tim Cale. You know, everyone was probably thinking, who's this lad from Millwall for two million? That, was, that was a good sign because he, he had because he, he had that yeah, FA Cup run though, didn't yeah, he? But nobody probably thought he was going to turn into what he did. I bet oh, nobody no, no, not like know, that. No. When we signed John Stones, uh, you know, we, everyone was going, who's this kid from Barnsley? You know, there's, there's been Yelovich the, the year we signed. I know it didn't exactly turn out great for Yelovich, but that first year what we signed, everyone was like. Who's he? Mm. And then, you know, his, his goals really fired us that season and he, he went on that great run. So, give the lot a chance. That's all you can That's do. it. I mean, it, just tweeting him direct and call all, all like seven manners of shit and all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's not on, is it? No. Uh, it's not the Everton way. Uh, but it appears to be more and more to, to be, not the Everton way, but just the way of today, unfortunately. Just, just tweeting people direct abuse. People fall for the Skype propaganda of deadline day, though. People because they build it up so much, because there's so much coverage. Everybody thinks they're going to make six signings on the last day. Well, why would they? Because you've had three months to make them signings. But we should, you know, it's it's very clear that we need we needed a forward up there to compete with and uh, play alongside. It is, but it's who's been available, isn't it? All right, I, I get that you could have had Boney on a, on a loan. Would you say Boney's a better player than Anna Valencia? Yeah. You probably would. Of course you would. We could have had like Remy on the loan. Would you say Remy's a better player than, than Anna Valencia? You probably would. However, I'm pretty certain probably if Remy's going on loan, he's not going to want to move out to London because that's where he lives. And that's why he's ended up at Palace. Uh, and for whatever reason, I don't know why we weren't in for Boney. Maybe, maybe City might not have wanted them to loan us to us because they see us as a bit more of a threat than Stoke. Who knows? I think another issue, though, is you know other clubs who've suddenly got this cash for um, when they've needed to 
go in, go in and boost the squad. Do you, there's no hesitation in going out and spending 10, 20, 30 million on bringing these players in, uh, go, going out and getting them, you know, scouring the planet basically for someone who can, and then having to pay over the odds and putting them in there. And surely, I mean, I'm going to talk about this, and we're going to have to, we're going to have to talk about this, you know, this director of football position. Uh, isn't that what he's been brought in to do? To go and out, go out and find a Lamares or you know another player like that. I know it's only early days, but he's, this is his first obstacle, Steve Walsh, isn't it? And it is, but it's early days for him, and that his job is to identify those players. His his job then isn't to get the deals over the line. That's with the board, the chairman, uh, Robert Elson. That's with everybody else at the club, isn't it? He's there to identify the needs of the football club, to, to identify players, uh, use the scouting network, and basically that's what he's done well at Leicester. And you could say probably the likes of Brahimi, I would have thought, that's probably it's probably him who's highlighted those players, I would have thought. So is it failings from the board again, or failings from him? I don't know. I don't know if it was just a crazy window where everybody was trying to get as much money as possible out of people and we just didn't want to get held to ransom I don't know is the answer um, I mean in a, in a way I am kind of glad we haven't been held to ransom you know suddenly we did we got held to ransom a little bit when we signed Big Food didn't we you know it was meant to be a 6 million deal and then suddenly it's 9.5 um, last season yeah and but you're talking like signing a player for thirty million and then suddenly saying no, we want forty for him after it's all been agreed. Well, more and more clubs seem to be doing it over the last couple of windows. We've been linked with quite a few players from the likes of Rus- Russian clubs, haven't we? And you know, people like Vitzel, uh, Yarmolenko. When every time we were there and we were agreeing fees, and then they were pushed, they, then they were asking for an extra ten million or twenty million or something daft. So I don't know what it is. I don't know whether they just think, you know. There's a bully to clubs like Everton because they need players. That's what I, I just I remember. What else I was going to say before about Valencia? Just read a little bit on Prince, uh, what David Prentice from the from the Echo said about him. Think more along the lines of Morales rather than Lukaku. He's more of a wide player, stroke striker rather than up top. So you know he's been playing out wide for West Ham. Do we really need another wide player? But you know that's, that's kind of by the by the by. Go back to Walsh. Um, you know, where does we talked about this, about this a little bit before, and it's you know my my understanding of this it's it's very continental in its kind of in its roots, isn't it? Having a uh, director of football, a few uh, English clubs have like uh, adopted it as well. Having a director of football and a coach rather than the manager, but Cumin seems to be the manager. So does he he identify a player? Does he consult with Steve Walsh? And say we need this type of player, or I want this player. If not, find me someone like him, but better, or in that mould. That is my understanding. That my understanding is that Cuban will say, you know, we need a centre half. I need cover at right back, uh, and we'll identify what the squad needs generally, and then Walsh will go out. We'll look at the way the team play, and we'll we'll go out and try and identify targets that will fit in that way. It's you know, and it, it might not always be super well-known players. It could be somebody who's just like, uh, you know, really good at cutting inside from the right back position, and that's what that's the way they want to play. And and, and it could be something as specialised as that. But 
that's my understanding and then once he identifies those players uh, it's then down to the money men to get the deal over the line so you've got your negotiators there I mean we assume is it still the chief executive is it still I'm, I'm a little bit behind on this is it still Elston does he go and- Elston seems to be the one who's taking a lot of flack at the minute uh, along with Ken Wright well, I think Walsh is getting a lot of flack though as well but I think you know the, the, the bloke's only been here a couple of months you know you, you can't just step in can he and, and and we wonders with it. He kind of has to. That's his job. You can't. Right, if you, no, I don't think that's the case. Because all right, he may have either, he may have been aware of so many players at Leicester, but Leicester play a completely different style to us. It, that's that's what I mean. It's not just about going. It'd be easy. Anybody could be a director of football. But we just you go in, you sit there and go. I found these players who are really good. There's Lionel Messi. There's Cristiano Ronaldo. And just list off anyone who's good on on football man. But that's not how it works. It's a case of you've got to identify who's going to fit in in your squad, the way you play, how your how your coach and your manager want to move forward. Uh, that's going to take time. You can't do that straight away. But I think I think he has, he's at, at this kind of it's it's quite a high profile position he's he's come into, and he needs to he needs to hit the ground running. You know he he, he I suppose he had. A good summer in bringing the players in that we've been, you know, whether he's responsible for that, I don't know. But this has been his first real test to to try and establish these players. And if they, if they fell through, it reflects badly on him because he's he's the one who's identified them. And then if, if you know if he if if Elston can't work out the money. Then doesn't it still reflect on Walsh because he's the one who identified them? And it's like I would say Walsh probably needs to be given. Let's judge him on next summer. Yeah. I wouldn't even say judge, judge him on January. The judge thing, him on next summer. The thing is, it could, could, could come to Christmas and Valencia could be a superstar for us. And this, you know, uh, Calvert Lewin could be knocking on the door. You know, they could be gems, but I mean, they just don't. It, it's just underwhelming going back to that word. Because what we expected, Everton money bags, and I've seen a lot of red shite put on all over Twitter, like uh, laughing on us for, for not getting Sissoko. Which they I spent think, less money than us, Liverpool. I think, I, but I think ninety nine point nine percent of Everton fans were happy that we we didn't pay thirty million for uh, Sissoko. I saw a particular Reds fan who was when it got announced we were signing Sissoko. His Facebook status was basically like. Ha ha ha! Everton panic by overpaying, overpaying for players. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And then we didn't get him, and his Facebook post changed to ha ha ha! Everton can't buy anyone. Trying to get players exactly. and they're getting snubbed. So what side of the coin do you want? Was it a bad buy or was it like a, a good buy exactly. that we missed out? On? That was that was just like all over, all over Twitter, and it just shows how stupid they are, though, doesn't it? Um, so on a general note, then if we go back to the end of last season, last May. And someone said to you, before the transfer, on transfer deadline day, Everton will have signed Ronald Koeman as manager. My daughter making a slight cameo appearance there, if anyone can hear it in the background. So Everton will have signed Ronald Koeman as manager. We'll have got Leicester's uh, director of football who finds all these gems of players for Leicester in Steve Walsh. We've assigned Balassi. Gay, Stecklenberg, um, Ashley Williams. Would you have thought that was a good window, transfer window? 
this is relative again. We'll have Kath Barkley. We'll have Kath Lukaku. Yeah. So that this is relative again, relatively to how we performed last year and previous transfer windows when we've lost like quite a few stars and not brought anyone in. Uh, we've done well, but just the potential there and the promise of it will never be the same. And having hundreds, you know, over a hundred million to spend. And the reality of it is, we we only started spending once once we sold stones for forty seven and a half million or whatever it was, and the outlay was pretty much the same. And we, we made a profit. We made a couple a million pound profit. Also. Yeah. So it's it's it, it just it's it, it reeks of lies, unfortunately. And it's uh, ultimately, I think our squad is stronger. We've got a better manager, and we've got a better setup, and the team look more settled. And we started off winning. But do you buy into this thing though that we can't just suddenly start buying players because we haven't got any European football? And do, you, do you buy into that? Because the way I look at it is, you know, United never qualified for the Champions League, and they went out and bought, you know, Zlatan, Pogba, Mkhitaryan. They went out and bought three world. And Pog, did they say Pogba? Yeah. Zlatan, Pogba, Mkhitaryan. Three world class players without without Champions League football. Because money talks. But they, because they were willing to go. There's ninety nine million or whatever it was for Pogba. But this, but this, people won't like to hear. But they're still the biggest club in the world, aren't they, Man United? Yeah, but we're st- relatively though. We're still a big club as well. You know, for the like, I'm talking. I'm not talking about going out and us buying Pogba. I'm talking about for the likes of your Brahimis and. You know, you're just so cozy and these other types of players. We're there. We're probably like one of the biggest clubs they could hope to sign for. But is it just that we're not putting the money down, or are we still a couple of seasons away from being able to attract these players to many? We talked a little bit about this before as well. Kuman's name in world football, I thought, would have counted for a lot. It's certainly pro- more high profile than Pochettino. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. But I, I thought, I thought having those kind, having his name, having his standard, we might have been linked with the, like Barcelona players and stuff like that. And maybe that's naivety, but um, I, I don't know why why we weren't. And we were linked with, you know, we were we were linked with the less, you know, not quite the world class ones, not quite the top international players, the ones in the bracket underneath, like the quite good international players. That's what we were linked with, and we were linked with quite a lot of money as well. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's 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 frustrating, and I don't know. Is it was it a successful transfer window? I think generally it was, apart from the fact we could have done. I think we could have done with a goalkeeper, and we could have done with a striker. But other than that, you know, I'd give it. I think Sky have been doing this thing where they've been rating everybody's transfer windows, and Paul Mason basically gave Everton a B plus. Because he said, you know, they got they sold stones, which was an inevitability that was unavoidable. Um, they got in a better replacement in Ashley Williams. Uh, Gay looks like a steal, and Balassi is an exciting player. So, you know, Paul Mason generally doesn't really say that many good things about Evan. He seems to think we've done fairly well. I have to agree with him. I think we've done well as well. I think the squad's better, but for me, uh, I'd, I'd probably go C minus because. The potential was there for us to really push on. It's like it's like you've been doing well all year in your exams, and then you go out on the piss the um, the night before your main exam, and you and you mess it up, 
and you, you come out with a, a crappy mark. So you think all the boards are out on the piss on, a, on the Tuesday? <laughs> yeah. I didn't think they had one. They probably want to. went to Bongo's Bingo. Yeah, whatever that is, I don't know. <laughs> Aren't you some sort of major Liverpool City Centre DJ and you don't know what the smash it night in Liverpool Bongo's Bingo is? I can't and say the Camp of Fairness? No, I can't say it too. <laughs> I've heard of it a little bit. Um, so, uh, thumbs in the middle, uh, slightly turned down for me on the, on, the, on the transfer window. I think the potential was there for us to go out and make a big statement by making a huge marquee signing and getting Evertonians excited and I think going back to that word again underwhelming uh, but it is what it is now and we, we can't hate on I'm going to use an American term hate, hating on Enna Valencia doesn't make him any better or worse we've just got to get behind him and get behind the Blues we can vent but why, why abuse players before they even kick the ball for us Couple of quick questions for you. Now the window's all over, and we now know the squads we're going forward with. Um, Mason Holgate, does he continue? Does he basically continue to play? Is he now a solid first team? Until Coleman's fit, yeah, of course. But, but I, I mean, I when think Coleman comes back, do you think he'll slot into centre half, or do you think he'll be? No, I, I think he's going to be. Uh, I think he's going to stick with Jags and. Probably it's looking like it's going to be Williams and Jags, and then if you know the inevitable suspensions and injuries, that's when Big Foo will come back in. Or if we need someone to slot in at left back, I think Foo might go over there. Or if he moves to three five two, Foo will come in. Mo- uh, Holgate, <laughs> Holgate. Uh, I think he'll probably make way in one of these games for Coleman, and Coleman ease himself back in. Just the way is that Coleman might play an international game for Ireland this weekend. He's been training with a physio, not with the squad, and apparently he might make the Serbia game, which sounds to me like it could be very risky, and we could probably lose him for another ten weeks if he gets a reappearance. Well, although we never wish injury on players, it's not as worrying knowing that how well Holgate has done. Okay, where do you think James McCarthy now fits in? Uh, somewhere behind Barry and I don't mean in defence I mean in, in the pecking order behind Barry and Gray again inevitable uh, bookings and suspensions that are going to be coming up uh, I think so, do you think he regularly makes the bench yeah I, I mean the, the injury to Mo Bessic I think I think he probably would have been his third choice uh, I think he would have been his first choice behind Barry and Gray uh, but now McCarthy has jumped back up to there and I think Gibbo is probably sniffing around for the odd game here and there again probably in the League Cup who I forgot to mention we drew Norwich in the League did we mention that last week? Uh, I think we possibly did but we're around to Norwich in the next round of the League Cup anyway yeah uh, I think he'll obviously play those players games like that uh, and the last name I'm going to throw at you for going forward for the rest of the season Mr Nias well Koeman's had to, you know, put him in there just because he's there. Just to pad the numbers out. Just because he's there, just because he couldn't get shut. You know, he was linked with a few Russian clubs on deadline day. Isn't doesn't one of the? It's not the Russian league. It's is it the Turkish league. Doesn't their transfer window close a week later? Do, and does that mean we can't do dealings with I've them? I've got no idea. I'm sure you can still loan players out, can't you? The loan window is still open. Isn't it for like the championship and stuff? 
Well, he's not going to win the championship, is he? Or has that changed? I don't know. I, I thought there was still... I'm not sure if the Turkish League or... I, I don't think it's... it's um, You know, it's, it's a UEFA... I thought all transfer windows are coming to line now. Maybe, maybe, maybe they have. I thought there was still one that could. Uh, maybe I'm just hoping, <laughs> living in hope. Uh, so you think we may we won't see him against them? I think we're gonna. We're gonna. I think. It, it, Do you it, think it, he'll make the bench against Norwich, for instance? The thing is, if we're paying his wages and they're going to be a fair whack of wages, I mean, do we just? We've got to cut our losses. Do we make him train with the kids still? Is he there as a super emergency backup? Uh, or are we going to try and get something out of him? I don't think he offers anything. He, he is the worst high-profile footballer I've ever seen. Do, do you know when the first team are training, do you think like they have a practice match between them and he picks sides and then it'll be like, like Baines' team versus Barry's team and like they go, I'll have Ron, I'll have Ross Barkley. I'll have, and then... Do you reckon it's just in the ass that they last every single time? Yeah, probably, yeah. Him and, and then it's just like him left and then they're still going, eh, Oviedo's eh. like, pick me, pick me, pick me. And then it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then, even after Oviedo's gone and he's only in the ass left, you think they go, eh, eh, I'll have the lad in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Right, I think it's time to wrap up. Cause, um, bit of a shorter podcast today because obviously no game to preview. Yeah, and I just had to make sure because we had a, we had a, one of our jingles coming up, so I had to rush that in there. Right. <laughs> so yeah, bit of a shorter one, but we still gone over an hour. Good going. You get it for nothing, so you just can't know. Uh, like I said last week, Blues, please keep spreading the word. Uh, we've stopped doing SoundCloud. Like I said, we're not, we're on Acast, we're on Podbean, and of course you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, I don't know. I haven't worked out the ACAS player yet, so yeah, bear with me on that. But, you know, international week, so we've got a weekend off from the Blues. Uh, next week we will have a match preview, I hope. We'll, hope we probably won't have that much to talk about, will we? Well, I'll obviously have the performances of um, Deli Ali and Harry Kane on, on my podcast to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Yeah, no, tomorrow's probably going to... Uh, tomorrow. Next week is probably going to be a pretty short and sweet podcast, uh, but we will have previews of the upcoming games. Yeah, thanks for listening as always, Blues, and hopefully catch you next week. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, not bitter, just better. Or you can find us on Twitter at just better EFC.